Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sandra Lanch. This week we are covering Mistborn, The Final Empire, chapters 22 and 23, wherein they're really two big character chapters. We've got, uh, we, we learn a bunch of stuff about Doxin and Sazed, and then we get some interesting interactions at a ball between Vin and Elend, and Vin has two boys chasing her. Uh, shocker. So I am Data, and with me is. Joe, Jamie, and I'm Tom Tucker. <laughs> Does my mustache uh, tickle women when I kiss them? <laughs> the answer was only slightly. Only slightly. Only slightly. Only slightly. I hate that show. I'm sad that I know that. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Everybody, grab onto something. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Okay, so like I said, this week we have a lot of a lot of character moments happening. What did you guys think, kind of overall, of these two? Yeah, I like some character development. You know, uh, we got we got Vin trying to find out more about Sazed and Doxin. We get a little bit of Sazed, which was delightful. Doxin's story is kind of sad, but understood. And then I really like the conversation he has with Vin, basically telling her like, "No, this is how the nobles are. Your little friend probably has been with whores as well. That's just." how it how it goes he's probably killed a ska woman he's probably had sex with ska women it that is how the nobles live and then we get to see kind of the reverse of that when she goes to the party in the next chapter and she confronts him about it and it's it honestly these chapters kind of gave some credence to my theory i think that you know it, it looks like maybe he's gonna turn but i think down the line there's gonna be like a breaking point where he has to make a decision and he's He's going to probably decide not to abandon the life he's known. So, but we'll see. We'll see about that, I guess. Yeah, I really like these chapters. I mean, I'm loving this book, which is really good, but um, it was nice to have a bit of a... Here. an <laughs> Yeah, it's a big investment if you're not enjoying the book. So, <laughs> um, I liked that we had a bit more dimension for Elland as well. He was, he's been a bit of a mystery this whole time. So, it, it's kind of good to see a bit of a genuine side to him. Like he genuinely seems to care about Vin, which is nice. And even when she's not around, you know, he's still speaking about her positively. So I don't know. I, I kind of, I, I had some big ideas that he was an imposter as well. And I don't know. I think that's, these chapters have sort of flipped that on its head for me, but I'm keen to learn a bit more about him. I liked hearing a bit more about Doxen. It was a really good, wake up call I think for Vin she's getting a bit swept up in in this noble society and then to see her put what she's learned into action at this ball and and just how her views have changed she's she's been thinking you know these guys aren't so bad no it can't be all bad they surely they don't know but for her to actually question things and and think differently I thought was really good as well rather than just having another ball that she's going to but yeah I thought these were quite good chapters We, we got a lot of information and things are starting to make a bit more sense, which is cool. I was just super happy we got more of Doxin. I really felt like this character's been, I don't want to say neglected, but I can't think of another term at the moment. Just He seems like we really haven't done much with him lately, even though we met him before we met a lot of the others. And I was like, when does this dude get to 
like have his have his day. So we didn't get it's not like we got a large moment with him, but we got enough to really see this is who he is and this is why he does what he does. So I was really grateful for that. Yeah, I think it's definitely probably the most we've uh, kind of personally interacted with Dachshund since the start of the book. Yeah. So that also was a bit of recognition for what he does in the crew, you yeah. know, because he, he's always shuffling papers and he's doing this and then, you know, to have Vin say, you know what, this crew would probably fall apart without him. Like, he is the reason we are successful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like we've just sort of, I, I don't I don't know, I feel like we've just seen all the other guys doing their things, but yeah, again, just there's been no focus on what this guy brings to the table, so it's nice to see him getting that recognition. It's like, actually, this guy is the reason we all still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that's really kind of the inherent danger when you're doing a big, uh, like, ensemble cast sort of thing is there's always it's, – it's hard to give everybody their, their moments that they need. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely nice to see Dachshund getting some uh, some attention for once. And, I mean, it, it's funny because he's kind of the background guy in the crew and in the story, which maybe that goes hand in hand. But he's just like – he's the guy making everything run smoothly. So it's one of those things where you don't – hear much from him unless there's a problem uh and so I, I guess it's kind of hard to write that character very actively in a book yeah because yeah if you if you focus on him like i had chapters about him doing their task they'd probably either be well this is kind of boring or else he wouldn't be that character he'd be an action character right kind of reminds me a bit of a um we, we have a a role at my work and i just i remember someone describing this role that was like if everything is going well, you will never hear this person. You will never see what they do. Mm-hmm. You just, like, this person nips all the problems in the bud before you even know that they were potential problems. So it kind of reminds me of that sort of role. Yeah, I feel like probably most jobs have somebody like that that deserves way yeah. more attention than they get because nobody notices that they're making everything go. Basically oh, the stage manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, let's get into this one. So just uh, kind of like the last chapter, we get kind of a double helping of uh, the logbook here. But the first part uh, is really the part that we haven't seen, uh, or, or is the new part, obviously, the the epigraph. And I think we get kind of more information on the deepness here than we've ever gotten before, even though it's still not very uh, helpful. Yeah, it's it's like we got this great description of the deepness that actually describes nothing. <laughs> It's like, cool, here's a description of what the deepness does, but not what the deepness is. Which oh. I guess is kind of necessary, but still a pain in the ass. It's like they're intentionally trying to hide it from us. What jerks? I know, right? Show us Cthulhu. <laughs> I mean, it gives us a little bit of thought about, we're like, oh, well, you know, if the Lord Ruler is the deepness now, you know, the crops are failing, the land is dying. This was this was already a thing. So I think it definitely feels that, the, you know, somehow the Lord Ruler's been possessed by the deepness or something but this was starting to happen even before the lord ruler was around so the lord ruler himself is not the cause of this but he's definitely not helping it the deepness is like unagi it's not something you are it's something you have right (laughs) (laughs) what is that a reference to like the only thing i can remember hearing unagi yeah unagi (laughs) yeah yeah i i I hear unagi i think avatar last airbender wasn't that the giant fish Yep, you're right about that. Oh yeah, that's true. So it's like, it's like your in that context, your quote makes no damn sense. Augie's like <laughs> eel or something, isn't it? Hold on, I gotta look this up. It is the Japanese yeah, word yeah. for freshwater eel. Uh, <laughs> random side trip down uh, sushi or whatever, but 
but no, that's a good point that I hadn't really thought of is that it's saying, you know, crops were failing and the land is dying and they think that, you know, this thing has been defeated. But when you look at what we or what they say, at least the land was like before all green and stuff. And now all the plants are brown and there's ash everywhere. It's like, oh, maybe the crops did fail and the land did die. That kind of, okay. There's, there's a little note that it's like, oh, yeah, at first people didn't think the deepness was a danger, at least not to them. I'm like, mm. oh, that is just a really sad reflection of how people treat a crisis. <laughs> That's totally it's true. Just, <laughs> yep. just, you know, oh, we're in the wake of a pandemic. No, nothing like that going on. You can't get me. I'm too awesome. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to go to I mean, no. current events. I mean, isn't but, <laughs> I mean, isn't that true? That I'm too awesome for for germs to get me. Totally true. Well, I was talking about me, but yeah, sure. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we weren't raised in the same house or anything. It's fine. <laughs> and so he's worried that he's already taken too long, and it might be the end of the world. And so I don't know. Maybe it was. And then we get uh, kind of the review of the some bits of the logbook that we've already had, except once again with kind of the details filled in, where Vin is reading about uh, when he first shows up in Terrace, and it's all pretty, and there's pretty mountains, and so on and so forth. And uh, we start to get more of what we find out in a minute is ferrochemy, uh, where these guys are storing up their strength for later. And I, we can get into that, I guess, a little bit more when Sage starts talking about it here. But did this kind of section elucidate anything for you gave you give you anything more than we got out of it the first time when it was in pieces as we read through not really i mean it's mostly just scene setting i don't think there was it like yeah not really a huge amount of extra information but i did find that i was sort of excited to see what little hints might be dropped and then what's about to be explained about these so yeah yeah that was pretty you just had that little hint of them they spent an hour lying on their bedrolls like it's just sort of oh yeah this is where they're just basically recharging. It's like the gargoyles turning to stone for the day. <laughs> like they re- re- regenerate their health and their energy in doing so. Another gargoyles reference. <laughs> We're always at the cutting edge of pop culture here. Uh, yeah. Is gargoyles. <laughs> to a cartoon from two and a half decades ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, it's got Frakes and Marina Sirtis, and they're both in Picard or whatever, so we're, we're right on the cusp. You know, it's <laughs> it's got a lot of Next Generation cast that show up for, like, one or two-time roles. Like, uh, Brent Spiner plays Puck in a couple episodes. Anyway, no, I'm sorry. We're not going to get... <laughs> you see, you start bringing Star Trek that was not my into fault. it. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, that was my that's, fault. Hey, that's where I get distracted. We can uh, we can make this the Gargoyles podcast if you want. I mean, I'm down. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever watched that show, like, straight through. I've just seen pieces here and there, so that would totally work. No, no, we're, 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 we're reading. And as Vin says right now, reading is, is sucks. Right. She's I, I love that Vince just like she just come to the conclusion that she does not like reading. I did. I did laugh at that. <laughs> and then what? And then the other conclusion is that the Lord ruined the Lord ruler that I can talk is way too whiny for any God. It's like, <laughs> which yeah, your okay. diary today. I fought the secrets. <laughs> yeah. It was really mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's he's very introspective in a lot of what we've read. And I can see why that would not be Vin's cup of tea to read. Well, there's also that, but also it's like it when you think of a, the god, uh, you don't think of someone who has doubts or second guesses or anything like that. So she's reading this through, and it's like this is not how a god's meant to talk, you little mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> also, I don't know many teenagers that exist even right now that love to read. 
like I all did. the was all cheap. the yeah, and I did too. I'm not I'm not bashing teenagers that love to read by any means. I think that's great, but most of the people I work with are younger than I am, and I always ask like, did you ever read a book from cover to cover in high school? And they're like, oh God, no. <laughs> I thought you were like, did did you ever read a book? No, God. <laughs> I guess for Vin, though, if you could fly through the night and do all these cool things, part of your training to sit down and read what the Lord Ruler wrote, and it turns out he's just really full of (laughs) self-doubt, that your whole life is built on this guy. (laughs) I could see why she's a bit annoyed. Yeah, no, it makes sense. She leaves this book a two-star review. (laughs) Protagonist was too too angsty. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's it's Twilight. This is their equivalent of Twilight. There you go. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, <laughs> and then Spook shows up. We love Spook. He says, wasing with the docks to come and be without the stay. <laughs> Do we really love Spook? <laughs> well, let's back up for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Spook, Spook's like the equivalent of Tab Cola. Nobody likes it. It's just come on. there. Come on, Spook is <laughs> But then great. he said a real sentence. And I was like, what? Actual words that, that melt together and, and make a sentence? Yeah, he said that actually... Real. <laughs> That that pissed me off more because then I'm like, so he knows how to talk. He just chooses to <laughs> talk like an idiot. To. Well, yeah. he says that he was struggling to do it without his dialect. So apparently it's hard. Talking normal is hard. But yeah, he totally once she's she, he he tries a th- another thing where he's like weapons for the getting giving for the time to be. And she's she's like, oh, I didn't follow that one. And then he actually has to speak English <laughs> or whatever it is they speak. This this is actually what sort of annoyed me here. It's like okay, so I've, okay, so the second one is what he's actually saying, and the first one is what he's trying to say in his slang. And I was like, cool. Now let's compare and see if I can translate. And I still can't fucking make it work. So just like, okay, I'm never gonna figure out his slang. Uh, I think it. I think when you have the two and you compare them, you're like, okay, I kind of I, I kind of see the same theoretical ideas in both of these places, but not to the point that I could understand a brand new sentence. No, mm. uh, I, I still struggled even comparing the two to make them gel. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. But you, you know, maybe it's rule? getting better. Maybe. Is there a rule like you know? Sometimes when these these works get created, the authors will write this whole language or something that they use. Like, is there a language, or did Brandon Sanderson just go uh, have some words? Like, is that is it something is we'll ever learn question. how to read? <laughs> I don't know that there actually is, and he he this actually comes up in the annotations, and I wasn't going to read uh, this particular one because it's kind of random, but since we're talking about it, he says that Spook is based very loosely on a person that I knew from this forum that he used to hang out on, was very good at posting random gibberish, which, if you looked at it very closely, actually reads to be rather poetic. So I wanted to do a character who spoke with a dialect that had an interesting rhythm, yet was difficult to make out. And he says, I don't really like dialects okay. normally, yet something about this one was intriguing to me. I like the way the sentences sound, even though they're completely unintelligible. So it doesn't sound like he developed an actual language. Uh, no. Okay, good, good to know. Uh, now, now look at what he's reading, what he's writing, and just going, like, this guy has a, a rhythm to his verse? Like, this, this isn't even a limping rhythm. It's more like a crippled one. <laughs> <laughs> but then then we get a real sentence. So maybe maybe it's like a foretelling of things to come. Maybe there will be more real sentences down the line, right? We can be optimistic. Especially if, if there's a trilogy of books, if he's going to be in here for three books, you got to hope at some point you can understand him. <laughs> hey, I really Spook hope he is... dies. I'm sorry. <laughs> plot Spook twist. is actually Spook the hero is... of ages. I was going to say, oh, plot twist, Spook is the Lord Ruler. 
<laughs> yes. That would be unexpected. He, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he whips out Maybe a sword he's... and some misborn powers, and he's just like, wuzzing with the sword. Coming <laughs> soon. <laughs> Soon, I feel like train. we need to hear the Lord Rule. Like we need, we need a version of the Lord Rulers book that is written by Spook. There we just see what happens. There, yeah, there we do. Actually, somebody has created online a translator where you can type stuff in and it translates into this uh, speaking. Oh but, my shit! <laughs> <laughs> but we won't go there. No, it's fine. Wow. Next week, thirty second recap. But yep. it's happening. Oh, and I volunteered. Fuck. That's so tempting. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, here you go, Dag, read this. God. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, here we go. Yeah. It doesn't even sound like kind of English, like with, with Middle English, you know? You can tell the roots of the language are in there, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can kind of tell what they're saying in, in the Canterbury Tales. Like, I kind of get what's going on. Yeah, okay, no, maybe. it's just like, let's jumble this stuff around and make it super confusing for everybody. Poor spook. Okay, no, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> we bragged on Spook enough. It's okay. Uh, well, and then Spook uh, does something else interesting in that he pulls out a handkerchief, which Vin is so paranoid that she's like flares pewter in response to him reaching into his pocket and pulling something out. Hands her a pink and white handkerchief, and when she says, "What's this for?" he flushes and runs away. So he does what, a lot. Well, yeah, it's true. He but I mean, at crush. this at this point in the story, did you have any thoughts about like what on earth that was supposed to be before Sazed actually tells us? I, uh, I, I had a feeling it was. it was some sort of yeah. I, mm, okay. I knew it was some sort of like I like you. Please go on a date with me or something. Yeah, it seemed like you know the old old knights would receive a handkerchief from their yeah. uh, t- like as a token of affection, that kind of thing. So that's kind of what I figured. I like Vin's response is to think, that is one strange boy. Hey, she's just thinking what we're all thinking. Yeah, it's true. What we've just been talking about <laughs> for like 15 minutes. Oh, gosh. And then um, she finds out that Doxon and Renu have gone into a conference without her, and she's slightly annoyed by this. Which is fair. Kind of. Like Renu doesn't really seem to... Well, you know, whoever's posing as, as Renault doesn't really seem to care much about Vin aside from what appearances might be. Other than that, it's almost like she, like if she wasn't there, it doesn't seem like he would really notice or care. No. Maybe that's just part of his act, but like, I feel like he's, he's very hands off. He's like, he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And I mean, you may be right. It might be part of the character that he's playing. Like maybe that's how a high nobleman would be, but uh, well, and in this case, really, if he's really trying to be an act, that there's no reason that he would call his niece to come in for a, you know, mercantile conference or whatever, which is what she thinks. She's like, yeah, there's no reason that Lady Valette would necessarily attend one of these. So that might be it. But yeah, he's definitely not going out of his way to be in any way considerate of her. Yeah. And so she's annoyed by that. So she's like, I'll just go off and find Sazed and maybe he can tell me what this crazy boy expects me to do with this handkerchief. They talk about how she's reading the logbook and Sazed is very excited. He's like, this is a keeper's dream. I'm discovering things about my culture that even I didn't know. And he's excited that Terrace is described as a place of green fertility, uh, whereas currently it is a tundra of frozen dirt where no plants grow, basically. And this is where we get Vin's uh, thought that she's like, why would green be beautiful? That would be like having blue or purple plants. Weird. Oh, Vin. You know, it's her perspective. It makes sense. Uh, I mean, she's never seen it. It's, It's been the world for a millennium, I know. And then she starts pointing out, it's like, hey, what's up with this thing where they get stronger and weaker and stuff? And he's like, 
she's like, does that have something to do with being a keeper? And he's like, mm, let, I, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, the Lord Ruler keeps trying to destroy us all, so we don't really want uh, that whole us uh, still being alive thing getting out. And then Vin does her over-the-top sarcastic, like, oh, man, well, I hope none of those secrets Kelsier wants us to find in the text are related to the powers. I'll just miss them, I guess, you know? Too bad. It looks like he spends a lot of time talking about this. Oh, uh, this girl. She's such a teenager. And he I'm calls sorry. her out on it. It's like, you're being melodramatic, but okay. Well, I mean, she's basically being raised by Kelsier, so... Well, that's true, too. <laughs> so... He talks about how their art is called ferrukemi, which we kind of we've heard that word once before, and they store up attributes inside of metal, certain physical qualities, and then draw on them later. So, what do you guys think of the way that this magic is described as working? I mean, it sounds like it's it's related to allomancy. Like when I when I was reading this, I thought, okay, it really sounds like allomancy is a bastardized version of this that the Lord Ruler has somehow created and dispersed mm-hmm. among the population. Like, ferrochemency... Shit, that's not the word. Um, the thing <laughs> is... <laughs> yeah, that, w- that was the original power in its purest form, and the Lord Ruler somehow created a corrupted version which he then spread around and i think that might lead into why he hates the keepers so much because they've got the original perfect version of the power that he was never able to perfect and so he's trying to if he gets rid of them he gets rid of the evidence that he fucked it up so you think that this version is kind of is superior so we'll use strength as an example because it's superiority is probably not the right thing it might be that allomancy like is a more effective version of it or it may not be. I don't know. We don't have a barometer for that. But I right. strength. I don't think strength factors into it. I think that it's the original version, and this is how and this is how the powers uh, were originally meant to be used. Like you know the the original craft, and and then yeah, like a, the corrupted version doesn't work the same way. And I don't think the Lord Ruler is really happy that he didn't get it right. Hmm. You think maybe he was like trying to copy their powers after having seen them in the logbook? Yeah, or... yeah, I, I, I feel like that was the case. Okay, interesting. What were you saying, Jamie? Uh, pretty much, pretty much the same sort of things. I, I would really like to know more about like, are there the same metals? You know, these different metals. But I thought that was it was really cool to get an insight into sort of how they work. I mean, we had little little hints of things, you know, the glasses and and everything like that was say was having to use but yeah I, I i was really interested in how it would tie in to allomancy being that it is all metal and yeah which, which one did come first is allomancy the product of this ferrochemy and the deepness you know what went wrong or is it just an evolution of those powers you know there it sounds like the keepers they're like they're wearing the metal they're in contact with the metal Whereas Allomancy, you've got to consume them, but then, you know, Allomancy won't affect metal that is inside the person, like, and Seekers have got earrings and, and uh, not Seekers, what are they? Keepers. Keepers. Have got yeah. <laughs> the other one. The other <laughs> Harry Potter thing. <laughs> the other Harry Potter one, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would be really keen to learn a bit more about how, how Allomancy even came about, but yeah, it was pretty cool. I think that they're linked in some way, but they are very different. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. We've and yeah, we still don't know terribly a lot about this, although he gives us a pretty decent description here. But uh, he talks about saving up physical qualities. So 
just based on that, we've and the examples that were given are strength from the logbook. They can save up strength. That he was saving up sight by using glasses. I think that's I gotta get there. So they can save up attributes, which is definitely different from what we know about Alamancy, where you're burning things. And and there, I was talking about strength. It's like he they have to save up strength to use later to make themselves stronger. Whereas in Alamancy, you just eat more pewter and you can get stronger. So it definitely seems more convenient, at least, to be able to do that with Alamancy, I would think. It also seems like, like and part of the reason that made me think it, like Alamancy is the corrupted version is... It uses up the metal and burns it away, so you can't use it again. Yep. Whereas the the uh, ferrochemy really seems more conservation, more economical, I guess. You know, it involves you know, you're basically recycling the metals. You can use them again later. Whereas uh, alamancy is a one and done method, so it just seems more wasteful, I guess. It does kind definitely. of instant gratification with the alamancy too. Like you you consume this metal and you boom, you can do it. Whereas as a like with Fasazed, he has to really think about when he's going to use it, when is it going to be the best time to do it. You've got to save it up. Yep. Which, I mean, if you were, say, a corrupted young man who became a Lord Ruler, you wouldn't want to have to wait until you were strong. <laughs> you just want to be strong. Yeah, I, that makes perfect sense, actually. Yep. <laughs> uh, and the way, the way I think about it, because it's the way that it's actually kind of usually described later on, uh, that kind of makes scientific sense for me at least is they talk about allomancy as being like a um, you're gaining energy from the metals in allomancy so it's like an energy positive end result you're getting kind of I, I almost want to call it free you're getting power from the metals to do stuff with ferrochemy it's like an energy neutral magic because you can get stronger but you have to save up that strength first you it's the same amount of total energy you're weaker for a while so you can be stronger for a while so one is like a net positive effect and one is like a net neutral effect yeah cool but just that i thought i mentioned that because it helps me when i'm trying to think about how they work and then we get into a discussion about how uh they use these metals to save up this strength and the lord or attributes whatever attributes and the lord ruler tried to deny Terrasman the right to touch metal at one point and tried to make it like a privilege of nobility to have metal or wear metal, which Vin's like, well, it seems like the nobility wouldn't want to wear metal because then you're vulnerable to allomancy. And uh, says is like, yeah, but it's like a, a thing that they do to, uh, to wear some metal is like a, a fashion thing because the Lord ruler wears metal and they follow him in fashion. And she says, sounds foolish. And he says, fashion often is, mistress. <laughs> Which ain't that the truth. Correct. Well, I mean, it fits. She was the one complaining about heels earlier. Yeah. And apparently it didn't even work because it's like you can't have servants that aren't ever allowed to touch metal. That's just awkward. And Sazed is saying that he's hoping that they find the secret to why the Lord Ruler hates and fears Terrasmen so much that he's like persecuted them for so long. And they're like, maybe it has to do with this Pac-Man that he mentions that hating. And then we find out that uh, while Sazed and the Keepers remember all these religions, they do not remember their own religion. It was one of the first ones lost. And the whole reason they developed the Keepers to try to, like, rediscover these things, which is sad. Sad, but it, again, it makes sense. It's like, this happened to us. We will not allow it to happen to anyone else ever again. But in a, you see that sort of declaration in all kinds of stories. 
but this is a much more subtle version. It's like, you know, we're protecting people's ideals in, in this rather than the people themselves. Yeah, it's true. And it, it sounds very noble when you put it that way, but it's just... Also, it's very convenient because we find out from the logbook that, like, the prophecies of the terrorist religion were what told about the hero and fighting the deepness and all this stuff. And those are the prophecies that Says doesn't know anything about. So he can't <laughs> help us there. Uh, we also find out that the Lord Ruler started out by just ex- trying to exterminate all the terrorist people before the breeding programs. He's like, we weren't su- stewards or servants or even Ska. We were just something to be destroyed. Which, yeah, okay. I don't have trouble believing that uh, those horrible things happen. Not in this world that we've gotten used to. No. No. He destroyed the, their religion in the first two centuries of his rule, so very early on in this thousand years. Yeah, so he obviously perceives them to be like the greatest threat to his rule. So he's that's where he focuses his attention for as long as possible in trying to just make sure there is he has nothing more to fear from them. Mm-hmm. In whatever. But yeah, sounds like he's... Just from the descriptions we've got from LN's book and from uh, all this stuff, it sounds like he's, he, he acts sort of on whims. He's like, oh, that didn't work. Maybe I'll try this instead. So mm. that's why he started. It's like, I'm going to exterminate them all. And then after the line, he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this instead. That's true. It does, it does make him sound a little bit whimsical or whimsical is not the right word. But uh, yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, just in, he's not he's not single-minded the whole time. I guess that's the thing. Like a lot of Dark Lord characters, just very uh, this is my goal and this is what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna bend everything towards doing that. Where whereas yeah, it's like the Lord Rule. It seems like he just goes, uh, all right, that didn't work. Let's try something else now. Not because something went wrong and he was forced to adapt his plan, but he just like looked at the facts and went, all right, don't think this one's working. Let's try something new. So you think that makes him, like, a more effective Dark Lord, that he's willing to change tax if something's not working? I don't know if it's more effective, but he's just had more time in which to do that. I mean, most of the other Dark Lord characters only tend to be in power for a short amount of time. I mean, Emperor Palpatine was only around for, what, like, 30 years? Voldemort, he he was in power for only a couple of years before he got knocked off. So, Mm. like, Lord Rule has the advantage of time. It's true. Mm. Dark times, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we find out that he uses copper to store memories which i think that's pretty cool that's something that you can't do with allomancy is store information it's like a computer Uh, but so they all remember everything in these copper mines so that if even one survives then they'll be able to give all the information back so that's a good system i guess Uh, primitive usb drives Kind of. <laughs> and really, I guess, now that, you, that you're talking about it, it kind of, it almost makes sense that if the Lord Ruler's defeating the Deepness or not defeating the Deepness and going to where he went and being the hero, if that's all described in these prophecies, then maybe that's why he exterminated that religion, because he doesn't want anyone finding out how that worked. And that might explain why he's after the Keepers so hard if he thinks maybe they still know. Yep, makes sense. Mm. And then Vin's like, hey, what else can you store uh, besides strength and memories and stuff? And he's like, uh, I, I don't think I need to tell you anymore. And then she she guesses sight. And he's just like, okay, uh-huh. Because <laughs> he needed to be able to see better the night that he found her. So he had to wear glasses for a while to store it back up. That makes sense. 
And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm not talking about this anymore. Did you want something else? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm done. And then he just pulls out that she pulls out the handkerchief and is like, yeah, what's this? And he goes, it appears to be a handkerchief, mistress. <laughs> and so, I, yep, you're definitely you're definitely the Alfred here. Yeah, I, I just I like that she comes she immediately shoots back like you've spent too much time around Kelsey or Sazed. And he takes this this kind of joke very seriously. He's like, yeah, I know. He has corrupted <laughs> me, I think. Uh, but we find out that in noble society, a handkerchief is the traditional gift a young man gives a lady that he wishes to seriously court. So that's super cute that uh, Spook gave her that, and she had no idea what it was, and then he ran away without explaining. Well, in fairness, if he tried to explain, she would have understood what the hell he was on about. Probably yeah, true. Yep. Exactly. It's like, I don't think this relationship is going to work. We can't communicate very well. <laughs> Communication <laughs> is important. Maybe that's why he's learning English or, or whatever Aww. language they're speaking, so he can communicate with her. That's quite sweet. That is. Although, presumably, he know, he, he at least understands English because nobody else talks in that language, and he seems to understand what they say. But yeah, maybe that's why he's practicing talking normal. I mean, this guy's clearly the ducky of the Pretty in Pink book we're now reading, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love how shocked Vin is. Like, What? Is he crazy? And says just like, have you not noticed how he stares at you when you come into a room? And she's like, well, yeah, but I thought he was just creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is that, Ben. He is that. <laughs> yeah. And also totally, like, rational reaction. It's like, that guy's staring at me. What the hell is he staring at me for? What a, what a freak. Uh, he thinks you're pretty. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I totally believe that Vin would be completely oblivious to that. Oh, yeah. Especially when she's not in the same frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Like, if she kind of liked him, maybe she'd notice it, but she's so far from even thinking about that. She's too busy crushing on Ellen. So true. Why would anyone else be in- interested in her? I mean, who wouldn't be crushing on Ellen? He's so dreamy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so dreamy. <laughs> we find out she just turned 17, so she's no longer a 16-year-old crazy girl. She's a 17-year-old crazy girl. I don't know if that's really relevant, but... Uh... <laughs> And then uh, we're reminded that Sazed is a eunuch and uh, can't really, you know, and that's sad for a minute. And then we find out that Ham is married. It's like he's been away from his wife for months. And she's completely shocked that Ham and also Yedin are apparently married and they hide their families away from their underground activities. I was like, okay, so what do their wives think of this? They can't be thrilled by that. I don't know. I guess it depends on, uh, you know, how it works. Presumably... Ham's making some money from these uh, jobs and sending it back for her, so that's probably good. Yeah, but I can't see him just walking back in after months of training a militia and going, honey, I'm home, and she just goes, oh, how was work, sweetie? Yeah, it's a fair point. Depends on how on board they are with it, too, though. Maybe the family is really supportive and this is the right thing to do. and mm. Possibly. I, I guess know, may- just, maybe yeah, they're we- part of the rebellion. We, we, need, yeah. to, we need to see With Yedin's family, it would be more of an issue, because Yedin is working secretly with this rebellion. So maybe his wife's just really into it and she's all gung ho about it. Who knows? <laughs> well, actually from what we've seen of Yedin, it's probably a case of uh, his, his wife is the real strength in the family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Entirely it's like a, possible. It's a Calvin, yeah. It's a Calvin Coolidge for president thing. He only, he only became president because his wife wanted him to. <laughs> and I love that it gets followed up with like, what is Breeze married or Dachshund? And he's like, Breeze is a bit too self-motivated for a family. <laughs> well, yeah, is that is like no woman is going to marry them because he's just going to sit on the couch all the time. It's like, honey, can you get me a wine? 
<laughs> yep. Bring me wine. I don't want to move from my seat. And that's when you realize, like, Bree would just be material. the the, the, the deadbeat dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's really not marriage material, I feel like. I'm just saying. Uh, and then we find out Dachshund's from a plantation, which also surprises Vin. I don't know that it surprised me at all, but I'm not used to thinking in terms of city ska versus plantation ska, which is apparently a big difference to them. Yeah, I didn't really think about that much until it came up sort of here. I mean, there have been hints at it before, like when she was talking to Ellen um, at the party and saying, oh, how your plantation scar treated. But it didn't really click in my head. It's like, oh, yeah, they w- those are very different lives. Yeah, it's true. And she realizes she has friends uh, for the first time ever, and maybe she should take an interest. <laughs> so uh, she goes and finds Dachshund, and he tells us a little bit about his history. And what did you guys think of his? This is really this is back to the it sucks to be a ska segment, I think. But uh, <laughs> it sucks to, yeah, to really be a ska. Okay, now we're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what do you guys think about that? About his story? It's sad. He was so in love, and all the families were on board with it, and it was like, yes. You do this, we're supporting you, and then and she was killed, and it's just awful. I mean, yeah, it is sad. It's it, I feel like it's kind of par for the course at this point, though. It's nothing we haven't seen or would uh, or wouldn't expect. Yeah. Well, he he even says that, and he like he says my story isn't that original. I mean, to be fair, in the very first, not even the chapter, the prologue, we saw exactly that happening. Is the the nobleman comes out mm. to takes takes a pretty girl. And they know that she's going to end up dead. I guess it's one thing, though, to know that that happens, but then to a character who we're quite fond of to have been through that as well, you're just like, oh, that's a, that is it is a really horrible thing. And we spend a lot of time focused on, you know, Kelsey's loss and, you know, Vin's story and stuff. And to, you sort of stop and think, you know, actually these these other characters have got stories and they're they're in this rebellion for a reason. They're fighting for something. Um, and it makes sense that they've suffered losses as well. But, I mean, every every Scar who would go through something like this, that's it's just it's really sad. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. You have to imagine it's happened to all of them at some point. And he even says, he's like, I don't think you could probably find any Scar who hasn't lost someone to a nobleman's, like, whim or whatever. And that's how we transition into uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you've probably seen, you know, my old plantation lord at balls. He's in Luthadel over the winter. And she's like, how could they let a monster like that in there? And she's like, what are you talking about? They're all monsters. Uh, he's very matter of fact about it. It's like they're all like that. He was actually probably one of the nicer ones. Like, yeah. Like he, he, he gives him credit for that. He's like, oh, no, yeah, he was he was as far as these things go. He was a pretty good guy. He at least let the the elderly live until you know the population was too high. Yeah, <laughs> not like that they just got the up one day, they couldn't get up, and you're, you're dead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, here it is. He only purged the elderly when the population got completely out of control. Rarely beat them to death. Just every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. He was in a bad mood one day. You you can understand. I think coffee. for Vin though, with her like. Inter- <laughs> With her interactions and stuff, she's like, yep, yeah, they get beaten, they get murdered. I mean, she's really been part of a crew her whole life, so she's in the underground, she's not exposed to it. So she hears stories about what goes on and they get beaten and stuff, but this is just a completely new a new side of it. 
Well, and she's really, as he points out, she's let herself get swept up in what she sees at these balls. And we've kind of talked about it several times because she's been reminded several times, like when she sees that boy get killed in the courtyard. Mm. And she can still justify to herself. It's like, no, you know, they're not that bad. They just... And Doxon is with Kelsier in that they're all evil, basically, and there's nothing that can be done to... He says they can't be redeemed, Vin. I don't think Kel will be happy until they're all dead. I doubt we can have to go that far, or even that we can. But I'll be more than happy to see their society collapse. And you're, you're right, he's very matter-of-fact about it. Where Kelsier is very passionate about murdering all these noblemen, Dox is just like, yeah, they're all messed up. we, we, we got to kill them all. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a shame, but what can you do? It's It seems like... Just how blase he was about, oh, this is my story, and this is what happened to the girl I loved, and now we're in this situation, this is what we're doing. It's just like, shit, dude, you're really... He's, he's just sort of crushed down his feelings about it, and it's like, this is the task, this is what we get, this is what we gotta do, and this is why we gotta do it. And like, shit, man, you're really dealing with some trauma. Mm-hmm. But also, if he doesn't keep a level head, could you imagine what Kelsey would be like? Like, Doxon's kind of like that, that good angel sitting on his shoulder that's like, Kelsey, yep. calm down. Like, you can't just go and slaughter all of the noblemen and hope it'll go away because they will retaliate. But and I feel we, like we have to overthrow through, them, and yes, they do need to die. I feel like that's going through Doxon's head all the time. It's like, I've got to be the level-headed one mm. because God knows I can't trust yep. this idiot to do it. Yeah, and Vin's right. Without Doxon, they'd probably be all dead. And we get a description of how uh, brothels work, which I don't know that anyone particularly needed, but it's like, yeah, you know, the brothels, they get all these ska women, and then they periodically just kill them all and get some new ones so that, uh, you know, to maintain the status quo so the noblemen can come and visit these brothels. It's like, a, that's totally, totally fucked up and not at all surprising, which is also totally, totally fucked yep. up. Yep. Yeah. Did they? So they also said that they have some very poor... Noble woman as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that some of them, some of them use the poor, some of them use very poor noble women, so they don't have to kill them periodically to get replacements. Yeah, I mean, for those poor noble women, that might be like a chance for. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying it might be a chance for them to, like, what if I fathered an illegitimate child for one of these noblemen? Maybe I'll be cared for and compensated for my, you know, for bearing a child. For all we know, that might have been how Kelsier and Marsh's mother's situation was. She might have convinced this brothel that she was one of those, and that's how she had these illegitimate children. Um, so, and yeah, Doc, Doxon's like, you know, the noble women don't even consider it cheating when their men go and sleep with these ska women and kill them. Which comes up in the next chapter, is the only reason I jump back to mention that. But So yeah, Doxon is pretty much in the same boat as Kelsier. He's like, yep, we're going to kill all these guys. Uh and we end this chapter with Vin being like, they can't all be like that. Ellen's never done that, has he? You poor girl. Dang. And yeah, this really, I, it, it's a nice moment, even even though it's depressing and it's our like it sucks to be a ska sec- section. Like we talked about before, it's a nice moment to get some some more time with Doxon, which we haven't really gotten. And actually, since we're at the end of the chapter, I thought I would mention something to you guys and get your thoughts on it because uh, in the uh, in a video that Brandon just put up, or he did a live like Q and A, he's signing a lot of books because they're coming out with a new the ten year anniversary of one of his books, and he's doing a bunch of signed books. Anyway, so while he's signing, he's like, you know, let's do videos with like Q and As or something. We'll put it on YouTube just so I'm doing something while I have to sign thousands of books, basically. And so as he's answering questions, 
One of the things that he has regularly said about this book, and you guys may have picked up on this, is that one of his regrets about this book in particular, because it's, you know, his second ever published book, and anybody who's written anything knows that you immediately regret all the things you didn't do in, when you wrote that thing. But he says that he was so focused on making, like, Vin this strong, interesting female character that it, it didn't occur to him. It slipped his notice that all the other characters on the crew are men. And he's like, I would have liked to have more female characters on the crew if I'd written that book today. Uh, because really, it's other than uh, Shan, who's you know shows up a couple times at, uh, so far as a foil for Vin. There's not a whole lot of women in this book. I feel like yeah, the next mm-hmm. biggest female character is dead, which would be yeah, Mare. Mare, right? So somebody mm-hmm. asked him since he's expressed he's expressed this for years and years. Whenever anyone, anyone asked him, what do you regret? Uh, what do you wish you could change about a previous book? That's like his go-to. So somebody asked him during this signing. Now that you're doing a screenplay for this uh, for Mistborn, like as a movie, are you fixing that this thing that you've repeatedly say you, you regret? Like, do you have any plans to change that up? And he's like, oh, yeah, I already have. Actually, in uh, in the screenplay, Doxon and Ham are women and it's caused a whole lot of stir. People, some people love the idea. Some people hate the idea. And this this very section that we're in is one of the reasons that people give for why they don't think Doc should be a woman because they're like, well, this his his backstory won't be nearly as poignant. It, we'll have to completely change it. And uh, mm. so I'm curious, what do you guys think about that? I've, we're only a little more than halfway through the book, so you don't know where you know anything goes. But at this point, what do you think about changing those two characters? As soon as you said he is changing it in the in the screenplay, my mind immediately started whirling to which of these characters would be a woman and uh, which which one do I think that would fit without changing the character very much? And I, and my mind immediately went straight to Ham. I'm like Ham, easily Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I think that fits really well. I yeah, I'm not sure about Doxon. I feel like I don't yeah I don't I couldn't I couldn't tell you why. I feel like I. I don't think that's a, the greatest fit for him there. That said, I can't think anyone else who uh, um, who would fit. I mean, you could have clubs instead of being the grumpy old man, be a grumpy old woman. See how that goes. Because I mean, aside from aside from docks and clubs, is the one we know the least about, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like it doesn't fit docks, and I'm not really sure why. But if that's the change they're making, well, whatever, I'll watch it. Well, I mean, specifically. I mean, specifically his backstory, like I said, how much how much of this backstory is Doxon's motive to being a part of this crew and mm. what would replace that, I guess, if they made him a woman? Because if you just flipped the, the gender role, would the same thing have happened? Like if Doxon was a woman, did someone take the scar that she was in love with? Did he just get murdered? you know, for something else. I mean, like, you could flip it that way and he's, like, well, female Doxon would still have a motive to do it, but I guess it depends on how much that part of the story actually comes into play later. Hmm. I'm definitely all for having strong female characters and, you know, that, that that's really good, but I, I don't like having more female characters in for the sake of having female characters. Everyone's got a, everyone's got a story, everyone's got a purpose, you know, and... I mean, I don't know, like, these characters were written as male characters. I don't know whether just changing them up is, for the sake of having more female characters, is appropriate. But, like I said, definitely supportive of having more female characters. 
but it's also okay to have male characters. Okay. Yeah. For uh, f- for me, I think if I was writing it and I decided, you know what, I'm going to make Dachshund a woman when I when I write the screenplay, I think, and again, this is my choice. I'm not saying this is the right choice, but my choice would probably just be to make Dachshund a woman, but make her gay. Mm-hmm. And then you could still uh, have point. Yeah. her be in love with a woman that was taken by a ska nobleman. Um, could you could the friendship dynamic True. between Kelsier and the Dachshund character doesn't really have to change any. Like you're not wondering if there's some kind of sexual tension between them since they're such good friends. Um, I feel like if you're going to make Dachshund a woman that probably in my mind, you could retain most of the character qualities by doing that. And, that could and, and like, yeah. And, and like Dax said, I think Ham's a good choice too, because a philosopher, uh, a philosopher warrior could be a, a woman just as easily as it could be a man. But uh, my my mind actually jumped to Breeze when you first said he was going to change women, uh, change some of the characters to women. I think Breeze would also have been a fine choice to do that with. It's funny that you say that about Dachshund because that is basically exactly what I said on Reddit uh, when people were talking about this. They're like, oh, you can't change Dachshund. It'll mess all this stuff up. And I'm like, well, I feel like if you have do- girl Dachshund, be interested in other women, then that's it maintains like the the sort of relationship she has with Kelsier. That doesn't have to change. It makes perfect sense. And just it, basically all the stuff you said was exactly the stuff that I wrote like yesterday when this came out. So I thought that was interesting uh, that you yeah. came up you came course sort of the same conclusions. And although I mean there's other ways you could go that could also be interesting. Like I I I suggested maybe. You know, it turns out that Girl Dachshund was like Mare's best friend, in which case there's a whole new level to it when Kelsier comes back from the pits, Mare not having made it and potentially betrayed him. Uh, Shit, that's a wrinkle. So, but yeah, Hmm. I I feel like Dachshund works okay, but I kind of agree with y'all that Ham actually makes perfect sense. And I'll go one further that I think it adds a really interesting layer to it to have the super strong you know, the pewter burner who hits stuff be maybe even not just a woman, but like kind of a small woman, because it doesn't matter how big you are. Vin is tiny, but it's super strong when she burns pewter. So it would be unexpected for people new to this universe to walk in and be like, oh, yeah, that's the suit. That's the muscle of our group over there. Yeah. You could, visually, be like that a, could be really interesting. It'd be like ha- a Tommy's Jessica Jones. An avatar. Yeah, yeah Jessica, Jessica Jones, Jones or. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or Toph from Avatar. I love Toph, yeah. Any, any small, yeah. strong woman. I, Whenever he, he's talked about before, before even this announcement, when I was trying to think who would work as a woman, I thought about Breeze too. But then my, my, my mind immediately goes to all of these things that were like making fun of Breeze, that he's like this lazy, manipulative, self-centered jerk. Somehow in my brain, it's fun when that's a man and we are making fun of that, if all those same qualities were in a woman, I feel like people would be upset about it. That that's the woman that you're portraying. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, I feel like regardless of gender, anybody can be, can act that way. That's true. You're not wrong. Okay. So yeah, I just, yeah, I think like breeze would always be a bit obvious. Sorry. We'll leave that there. Mm-hmm. He is kind of, I, I want to say almost prissy at times. So maybe, maybe that is too obvious this is a change. Man, I was just curious since that's kind of something that a lot that is coming up and people are talking about currently. What you guys thought since we're in a position uh, where you could actually provide an opinion at this point on that? 
next chapter. We're moving into chapter 23. That's the number. And this epigraph has the guy talking about how he's like, I, I can't, I barely sleep at night. And then when I do lie down, I can't sleep. So, and he th- hears a thumping sound from above in the mountains, drawing him closer. Right. So this is the point where my mind just went, okay, what the hell is the well of ascension? What is it doing? <laughs> like, cause I, I don't know. I'm probably wrong, but like for some reason, I just thought to myself, is this the well that's drawing him closer? We've heard it mentioned a few times throughout the text, but not, again, like the deepness, not what it is or what it does. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so if it's there playing the drumbeat, is it like summoning him or is it like trying to warn him away, like Demon Reach style? I, I don't know. This is just all very... Uh, <laughs> and- I don't know what that thing is and I want to know. It's kind of an oxymoronic name, too, right? Because it's it's a well of ascension. So it's just like, wait, 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 wait what? <laughs> I don't think I ever thought about that. That's interesting. Maybe it's you have to do something really, really dark. I mean, it's like we're talking about the deepness. Maybe the deepness lives in the well of ascension. You've got to sacrifice something or do something very horrible maybe, to maybe then the ascend deepness, and become the Lord Ruler. Maybe the deepness ascended from the well. <laughs> ah, I like it. I like it. He's from the Earth's core. Maybe it's maybe it's like uh, Last Crusade, where you gotta like you gotta pull the bucket of water up from the well and drink it out of the right cup or something. <laughs> oh wait, Dak, I got it. Okay, I got it. The yeah. deepness came from the well of the Ascension from the Earth's core because he's a volcano god and he creates <laughs> all the ash. <laughs> <laughs> Volcanoes are back in deck. We're we're still Volcan- in this. <laughs> the well of ascension <laughs> is the volcano to end all volcanoes. It is up in the mountains. Uh, you know. They're gonna get to the top and find Pierce Brosnan sitting there. <laughs> That's a throwback. Oh. <laughs> okay, so chapter twenty-three. The first thing that uh, we learn is that Kelsier's plan to kind of frame this one house for the murder of this other guy totally worked and got two other people murdered as a uh, payback. So good for him. It was, it was a convoluted plan, but it worked. Ah, the gossipy people. I was just waiting for someone to like do the whole, I think the Batman deserves a medal or a straitjacket <laughs> to pin it on. It really is. She's just in the gossipy crowd here. And she, it's it, all the, all the normal people are here. The guy who makes the crude jokes and, her like spineless boyfriend or her date rather not boyfriend. Yeah. And this, this guy's dead and Vin's like, Oh, I danced with him a couple of times at the last ball. And her date's like, yeah, was he any good? Not very. Getting to the important part of the conversation. Clearly. Yeah. (laughs) And somebody else is like, well, now he's dancing with the worms. Ha ha ha. He's lame. Noblemen are so, so noblemen. I, I, I just love the like like this other guy gave the quip a pity laugh, which was more than it deserved. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, it's true. But it, I think it just shows. All right, so this is what the noblemen all think of each other, and like they are just as thoughtless and uncaring about the fellow noblemen as they are the scar. They just don't give a shit. It's other people's death is just a curiosity to them. Yeah, it's it's true. They don't really care about anybody but themselves. It seems like which. It, it supports Doxon's point, at least, with yep. this group. I don't know if you agree when it comes to the guy that we're going to spend some time with here in a minute, but uh, 
And then we uh, we get this scene of the obligator coming over and getting paid to like overhear this commitment to come and play a game tomorrow, which is Vin is just like, wow, that's really you're calling you call an obligator over for stuff that small. It's like a, it's like a, this this seems to be a gross misuse of their authority, and the <laughs> obligator's like, I'm about to misuse my hand upside your head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess it's like the equivalent in their culture to swearing an oath, right? It's like they they give the obligator money to witness, like, I promise I'm going to do this. Yeah, and it's – well, and here, let, let me read this one uh, thing from the, the annotations, which kind of goes along with it. He says, I like the obligator scene in this chapter as it gives Vin a chance to realize just what the whole obligator system is really about. Regular priests watch over the spiritual well-being of their people. The Lord Ruler really doesn't care about that. So his priests watch over the economics of his empire. Seems like something a living god would do. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's like the priests of this religion uh, sign off on contracts and witness. And she talks about it in the thing. She's like, basically, if an obligator didn't sign a contract, it it may as well have never been written. If they didn't witness a thing, then it may as well have not happened. So... Uh obligators lawyers of god yeah kind of yeah it's the equivalent to having a a notary that you walk that walks around and you pay to say okay this happened yeah pretty much well and it does explain from like the very first uh time she went to a ball she's sitting there and all these obligators are walking around and randomly getting called over to tables and she didn't really understand what that was all about but now it makes sense because apparently they call them over to just hear any old thing that to prove that, yeah. yes, I'm serious about this. Yeah, whatever frivolous shit the noblemen like, are, t- are talking about. Well, it's funny, because when we first read that, I was like, oh, they must be having all these really important discussions to warrant <laughs> having the obligator there. But now it's just like, oh, no. You guys, no. <laughs> <laughs> call, just going to call over the obligator just to make sure I'm really going to give you the seven bucks back for that Uber ride last night. Also, now that that's a, like a contract... What happens if they break that? Really good any thought. little thing. Like, what happens if he doesn't go to that game? Does he get murdered? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Given what we know of the society, yeah, entirely possible. Sp- send the spike it. faces after him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Into the ditch with you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give him the hook. He didn't come for the game. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that is actually a question that I had never thought of before at this point in the book is, like, what happens if he doesn't do it? They didn't specify a penalty, which theoretically, if you're writing a contract and having an obligator sign off on it, probably the contract mentions some sort of breach of contract penalty. That's how that usually works. But, yeah, who knows? Uh, Vin is having trouble being around these nobles because of how gross she now feels with them after what Doxon said. Which I don't necessarily blame her for, but... uh, And... uh, we find out the Inquisitors have been hitting more thieving crews, which, you know, wonder what that's about. Hmm. I mean, I I thought it was, they're obviously still looking for Vin. They tracked her to a thieving crew at one point. So they, I thought, you know, they're looking for her. And they're looking for Kelsier as well, since he was the one who tried to break into the, uh, whatever it's called, the palace. Yeah. You'd she think that Kelsier wouldn't be terribly hard to find given his uh, scars and things that make him stand out, but maybe it's tough to find him. Well, it'd also be a case of, like, after that went down, like, even the Inquisitors had to think, all right, he's not dumb enough to just keep walking around, like, with mm. his, like, 
openly identifying himself after we, after we nearly got them both. One would think that, yep. And I, I love this one guy being like, cursed thieves, damn Scott, don't know their place. Isn't the food and clothing we give them enough of a theft from our pockets? Ladies and the and gentlemen, no- the 1%. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep, yeah, no. And... I also love that this guy's wife speaks up for the first time just to be like, yeah, what kind of incompetent would let themselves get robbed by a ska to which the guy flushes. Uh, and Vin notes that she only speaks up uh, to make some sort of jab at her husband, which that must be a fun relationship, right? Mm-hmm. That's Healthy. a marriage, marriage of uh, convenience or political con- advancement. Yeah, she's probably really the type that wouldn't care if her husband uh, made it with the ska. Yeah, no, that... I, I buy that. And it's funny because that's the exact guy that she points out later. It's like, that guy would probably love a night with prostitutes. My mind immediately went to, oh, I wonder if the wife hired the Scar crew to rob her husband. Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Just for shits and gigs. <laughs> Just so she could make fun of him? Just so she could use it <laughs> yeah. against him. <laughs> yep. yeah. she's, like, uh, she's like the lady who's married to Matthew Perry in the whole nine yards. She just hates her yep. husband. <laughs> oh, that lady. I love that movie. Her character is so fun to hate. And then we get Shan Alariol back again, which I know everybody was just waiting for when she would show back up to a little bit thin some more. (laughs) She's just so delightful, you know. The first thing she says is to Vin's date, like, oh, it's a pity your original date for this evening took sick. It appears you were left with few other options. Just jab. And Vin mentions... Maybe it was in a previous chapter that we talked about it, but it's like anytime Shan shows up, it's just to like dig at her. She can't help herself. It's a it's a very teenage moment. Like I just imagine her walking up and Vin being like, "Hi, Shan." <laughs> <laughs> I can't start anything, or the or the headmaster will have a go at me. In this case, being Lord Ruler. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like that Shan is still wanting to use her to like spy on Ellen this time she wants her to get the names of his books and she's like Ellen hasn't really been spending any time with me lately I don't think that I can really help you and uh, she's like I know it appears that I overestimated your competence child one would think that once you got this guy's attention you wouldn't let him slip away jeez can you do nothing right and then she's uh, she's still got to insult her so she's like Ellen likes to shock the court so naturally he chose to do so with the most homely and lumpish woman that he could find this <laughs> what, what is uh if you're describing somebody as lumpish what i mean what is she what is she getting at because first she calls her scrawny but now she's calling her lumpish so which is it uh, I, I, I think it's like are you imagining a quasimodo style hump in her back or something so according to google the definition of lumpish is roughly or clumsily formed or shaped or in relation to a person stupid and lethargic Oh, well, well played then. Hmm. <laughs> Good vocabulary. Makes total channel. sense. <laughs> so it's just, it's another nice, nice night with Shan, uh, our good friend, who, you know, if there's an it sucks to be a ska segment, it's just right. It also sucks to be like lower nobility around these higher nobility, apparently, because they are just assholes. Yeah, it's just like the the audacity of these people to think it's like, yes, I'm gonna walk up to you and call you a little skank and expect you to do my bidding for me. Mm-hmm. No, that's not gonna like backfire on you in some way. Like I I predict a very painful fate for this woman and I will laugh. <laughs> so you don't think yeah, she's gonna you know. come out on top? 
in the long run, no. I don't know if it'll be this book or the next book, but I figure at this point, like, Vid's going to come. It's like, oh, by the way, you called me lumpish. Dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she'll come on top, all right, on top of a glass dagger. <laughs> stabby, stabby. Got it. And, uh... <laughs> Go, go live on the live with the plantation scar for a while. That's your fate. Ooh, that would be uh, that would be some poetic justice. So, Vin sees Ellen after the end of this conversation, and just can't resist the urge to go over. And it's like not because of Sean, but because I have to find out the truth. And they get into this whole thing where she's like, "You've been ignoring me," and he's like, "No, no. What? Why, why do you say that?" And uh, she starts crying, which she hates herself for. But he's he seems to actually be concerned. And it's like, you're shaking. Let's go outside and get some fresh air. And they have this discussion about uh, – she kind of just jumps right into it. She's just like, have you ever slept with a ska woman? Which is a heck of a thing to just throw out there, but okay. Yeah, and, and to his credit, he, he, like, he is taken aback. But at the same time, he's like uh, – you know, he kind of takes it in stride and explains himself – but yeah. but yeah, that's more credit than I would give him, <laughs> you know, if if a woman that I kind of liked, conf- like all of a sudden walked up to me and confronted me and said, have you ever slept with a prostitute? I'd be like, oh, wait, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> but also, I think it says a bit about Ellen, because from what we know of the other nobility, if she'd walked up and said this to some of the others, they probably would have gone, yeah, and it's true. So what do you guys think of Ellen's story about uh, what happened to him? I would totally buy that that's a thing that would have happened. Well, having met his dad, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, <laughs> it reminds me kind of the it reminds me kind of the Tyrion Lannister story of how his dad made him become a man. Oh yeah. Brutal. But so, also there was that episode of Firefly where like, you know, you had the rich noble guy hired in Ara to just like oh, make, yeah, a, yeah. Ma- make a man of my son, I don't care. I'd forgotten that episode. Yeah, that kind of does fit the same mold. And that, that guy was a huge jerk also, so it totally works. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, we've been pretty suspicious of Ellen up to this point. Do you believe that this is a sincere, what uh, this conversation that they have? After reading the end of the chapter, I think, yes, I, I, I do believe that this is sincere. Because he's talking about it with his friends away from her? Yeah. Okay. I think just it was... The, that genuine, like he saw she was upset and genuinely was like, wow, okay. And it kind of snapped him out of like stopping a dick for a minute. <laughs> you know? It did. He yeah, did kind of change personality. Down and talk to me. Yeah. I think in that moment, that's probably the person he wants to be. If it came to, he'd have to act upon it somehow. I'm not sure that he would do it. But yeah, I think he, he really does want to be that person who's genuine and caring and. Not not as ignorant as most of the nobility. Okay, that that is a big reverse from your previous like he's a plant by the Lord Ruler's stance. So interesting yeah. how much one. I mean, he still could be, it. but yeah, I think it was just because we just had a you know a genuine conversation. It wasn't him being all aloof and mm. just being a jerk in general. It was it was a pretty big backflip from him. But I mean, I'm sure we've got plenty more interactions with him, so you never know. No, it was the last time he shows up. It's, it's weird. <laughs> In the next chapter, Ellen dies. <laughs> Kelsey's just like, oh, she's crushed on him too hard. Better throw his body off the bridge. No, Kelsey promises not to kill any of them in this chapter. It's okay. 
All right, fine. Yeah, uh, well. Clubs throws his body off a bridge. So did an obligator just... witness that promise? Oh, we'll see. There you go. That's, that's uh, a good point. I like that she comes out after he admits what happened. She's like, how many girls have you murdered, Ellen Venture? He's like, no, no. It was only the first time when I didn't know what was going to happen, I promise. And he says, <laughs> Only one. Only one. Yeah, well. <laughs> she doesn't blame him for that, which uh, he says that he didn't know. And I don't know if I believe that a 13-year-old in the Final Empire doesn't know that uh, after an old woman sleeps with a Ska woman, they have to be killed. But Maybe. Maybe I buy it. I don't know. Because it seems to be pretty serious dogma from the Ministry, and the Inquisitors are pretty hard about this thing. So you'd think that this would be common knowledge, but well, it's I don't know. one of the primary duties of the Inquisitors. So. Exactly, exactly. But do, you, but do you know that at 13? A nobleman with that much of a dickhead father in like <laughs> one of the higher nobility houses? I'd say, yeah, he probably does. His father wouldn't have spared that detail for him. Especially if the father is the one who's forcing him to do it to start with. He's like, all right, go in there, do your business, then I'll send the Inquisitor in there to do his business. Unless he didn't know that it was a Ska woman at the time, maybe that's why. I don't know. It just it mm. seems a little bit like I'm not sure I buy that part, but maybe. He seems pretty sincere here. And he comes out and says, like, she's like, how many noblemen do this sort of thing? And he's like, maybe a third? I don't know. I don't really spend my time with that kind of person. Yeah, he's like, hey, uh, before we start hanging out, uh, do you, like, regularly have sex with Scott and kill them, or... Alright, cool. We're cool. He calls out her handkerchief that she's using to kind of clean herself up because she was crying. She's like, yeah, a boy gave it to me, and... You'd you'd love him. He's even more confusing than you. (laughs) So true. I like that the, the conversation turns really quick where she's like, what about your father? Is he one of those third? And he's like, he likes all kinds of mistresses, ska, noble, doesn't really matter. I still think about it that night and I wish, and she's like, it wasn't your fault, Ellen. You were just a 13 year old boy. Like She's really desperate to forgive him. for she, uh, Yeah, she, she wants to believe the best in him. Which is cute and naive and a little worrying, maybe. Is it cute, though? It's puppy love. Yeah. I guess. I love his his quote that, well, you probably aren't the first lady I've made cry at a ball, but you are the first one (laughs) that I care about. And um, she says, why have you been avoiding me? And he explains that he's like, you know, I don't like the people that you're hanging out with and you kind of really fit in. And uh, I didn't want to mess that up as someone who does not fit in and does not want to run in these political games. This is like a very grace moment. It's like your friends aren't my friends sort of thing. We're from different worlds. Kind of, except that in this case, he's like, your friends are those really tacky people, like that one third that I was talking about that I don't want to spend my time with, which makes sense because Vin is supposed to be, you know, digging up the dirt and fitting in. But uh, and Ellen doesn't have to worry about fitting in. But (laughs) and Vin's just like, even if a third of the noblemen are murdering ska women, then something's probably salvageable about their society. She really doesn't want to let go of maybe they're not all bad. Maybe this is okay. These these people are okay. She does not want to get aboard the Kelsier and Dachshund train of they all just need to die because they're all horrible, which probably generally, if you take an entire population of people and say those people are all horrible and should all die, probably you're wrong to some extent, just as a general rule. Yeah, I mean, again, to bring up uh, Avatar Last Airbender, it's like they had an entire season dedicated to, you know what, the Fire Nation aren't all horrible people. Yeah, it's true. So I don't know. She goes into a whole thing where she pretends that she hid runaway Ska on her plantation as a way to be able to say, you know, uh, maybe I do know something about the Ska if you're interested. 
And he asks, what about their intelligence? Do they seem slow? And he, she's like, no, what? I've, I'm, no, I'm sure I've met some Ska that are more clever than you. And they're angry about how they've been treated. And he's like, oh, they know about the disparities between them and us? I don't, maybe he doesn't know much about the Plantation Ska or uh, the Ska after all. If he thinks that you could not notice that one group works and the other group beats them to death when they work, don't work hard enough. <laughs> But that seems pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you can't possibly think that they don't notice that. Uh, yeah, but I mean, plantation and city scale life are very different as well. So it's true. Has he ever been to a plantation? Has he has he ever been that? Like, I can't imagine that for Ellen on a daily basis, the scar would just be murdered in their home. Like they would mm. be taken outside, and I mean, yes, he'd know it would happen, but I don't think he would actually witness it. It's a fair point. His father, yes, probably would, but I don't think that's something that he would be witnessing. I feel like to live in this society as we know it, you ha- he has to be really kind of oblivious, which makes me think that he's either a very oblivious person or this is all an act, which is the same thing when we were back a couple chapters ago talking about him leaving all these books out that are potentially dangerous. Either he is really oblivious and just like, totally doesn't think about the possible consequences or it's part of some more subtle plan. So in my mind, we're still there from, from the, from the conversation he has at the end. I feel like this is him just playing dumb to get her to, so she can keep talking. Mm. Like he, cause he wants her, like she's really spilling it at the moment and he's just like, okay, I will say what I need to say to get you do not stop what you're doing. But yeah, I, I don't know. I spent this entire conversation going, oh my God, Vin, shut up. You are going to get in so much shit for this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, she's going to let something slip that's not good. But it, it, like, even even if she says nothing that endangers the rebellion, the fact that you know, if, if Shan's hiding behind a curtain or something and listening mm-hmm. to all this and reports it up the chain, yeah, they're going to come down on her. Not not even just that, but we get to a little bit later, and Ellen is meeting with like his five buddies or whatever, and he's like, she helped run away Ska on her plantation. Which, yeah, yeah. thanks for putting that out there to everyone in the world, dude. Yeah. But, yeah. He also seems the most enthusiastic in that room. Oh, definitely. Of the, yeah. the five people that are in there. You know, right. so for him, he, he could be thinking that this is – this is great. She'll help our cause. We should invite her. And the others are not quite there. And <laughs> Whereas someone else is thinking, problem. this is great. We've got someone to throw under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his little group. And well, okay, for, for listeners, they end their conversation. He goes off to talk with his little group. And Vin convinces Says that she should follow using Allomancy and listen outside the window. And so they're having this conversation where, uh, like, the one guy is like, yeah, aren't we going to do something more than read? And Vin's like, yeah, you go, guy. Reading sucks. <laughs> uh, but he's got his little philosophy. Because knowledge club. is power. <laughs> <laughs> and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. <laughs> oh, we missed that he gave her the handkerchief. Oh, that's true. He totally, uh, he gave her a handkerchief. And, um. Which is basically his way of saying, like, hey, you want to come back to my place and see my thick book? <laughs> I've got a lot of them. <laughs> I have many leather-bound books. Yeah. He, he gives her he gives her the handkerchief, and she's, once again, completely oblivious to the romantic 
overtones here because she tries to hand it back and he's like, oh, no, you should you should keep that. It wasn't meant to be just functional. And she's like, oh, thank you. And uh, like that's exactly what she wanted was uh, Ellen to be interested in her. And then I, I like when Sazed walks in, he's like, "Another handkerchief, Mistress? Jeez, you are starting a collection." <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. It, it, it's a cute moment for Vin, and she's so happy. And maybe she shouldn't be, but I don't know. We'll see. But... I mean, for her though, like something you know, a normal teenage girl in that situation, thinking with her heart and not with her head, her heart will get broken and. That will be sad for her, though, if she does something stupid, probably millions of people's lives are at risk. So, yeah, at the like, very uh, least, her life and all of the crew that she works with could be lost. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. OK, anyway, then she goes and uh, listens to them and they're having, you know, their theological discussion. And really, Ellen seems passionate about uh, government and things. Whereas some of these other guys are more like, I don't care about that stuff, like class difference, whatever. But I can see why we need to present a unified front to the Lord Ruler to try to keep our noble power. So they seem to be on kind of different levels about what they uh, are doing here. And then it turns out Kelsier is feet away also listening to this. and Vin Because of course he is. Well, apparently he's listened to them several times since they reported to him that these people were meeting. And he's just like, yeah, you know, they're just planning alliances. They do that. <laughs> he says that, but it's just like, uh, this, this, is, this is the angry dad waiting with a shotgun. It's like, you fuck with my daughter and you're getting the business <laughs> end of this, buddy. <laughs> and then the daughter shows up. He's just fumbling, putting the gun behind his back. It's like, hey, honey, how you doing? Look, man, I got no problem going back to the pits of Hafson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see, now that reminds he me He of... doesn't seem too stressed about these guys, though. No, he he's, doesn't. He's pretty chill, but if he was stressed about it, would he show Vin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he knows that she would not be happy about it if he was, you know, planning on doing something. No. Plus, if if he really didn't think there was, like, there was a big deal about this, would he still be following them? Also true. He said he's followed them them a few times. If he thinks there's nothing in it, then he wouldn't still be here. That's a good point. (laughs) But he does say something along the lines of, you know, perhaps we can involve them somehow, whether it's just a Vin stop, we need to get out of here kind of, let's, yep, yep, let's do that. Hmm. Um, Or it's a, you know, maybe they really could work and we're watching them to, to see what happens. Is this a front? Are they talking about something else? Are they having these conversations? Because they're pretty sure they could be being watched by Scar Rebellion or... That that would be some deep thinking if they thought that. <laughs> I don't I don't know that they're, they're at that level of thinking, but, you know, <laughs> if Elland was an imposter, maybe he is. Mm. Wheels within wheels. There's always another secret. I like it. You're, 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 you're thinking deep. It's good. There's always another secret. Yeah. So... I like his line is like, don't get like that, Vin. They seem like nice enough lads for noblemen. I promise I won't kill any of them, all right? And then, as Jamie said, he's like, maybe we can find a use for them. They do seem more open-minded than most. I just don't want you to be disappointed, Vin. They're still noblemen. Perhaps they can't help what they are, but that doesn't change their nature. That's it's so condescending. And uh, it's like, they can't help being evil, the scum of the earth, noblemen that I want to murder. It's not their fault, but they still are. <sighs> Kelsier also thinks that she's been sneaking off and using Alamancy without permission, and she's like, no, say you said I, that I could. 
And he's like, oh, really? Okay, then. Meet us uh, back at the shop. And that is the end of the chapter. He winks and jumps off the wall into the mists. Of course he does. Yep. He's got to make the dramatic exit. It's very important. Both these chapters are a lot of how Vin feels about stuff. How Vin feels about reading, how she feels about boys and her friends and Ellen and all this. But we also we also get it a little bit like, of Kemi, which I like. It sounds like Vin needs a, a visit from LeVar Burton to know the importance of reading. <laughs> <laughs> and he next week, Vin appears on Sesame Street. Yeah. The letter V. <laughs> Elmo, I don't like to read. Okay, any final thoughts about this chapter before we run into uh, predictions? Or these chapters, sorry. There was more than one. I know that. Nothing for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think these noblemen need to, like, I don't know. They need to They need to have more fun. They need to do something that's that's <laughs> more fun than these balls. I want to see them. balls every night. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's not, that's not that's, fun. Let's go out for a nice game of croquet. Yeah, I want to see whatever game they're playing. I want to see what that is. What are they doing in their downtime? <laughs> well, apparently Ellen reads books and talks about it with his buddies in, you know, the tower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm sure I'm sure they can find some way to like play a game of badminton or something to, that will still make the scars life hell. Right. <laughs> you get to kill a scar every time you get a point. <laughs> right. It's like, oh. all right. I winner gets to play the ska to death. Let's go for a nice friendly game of darts and like the and the dartboard is painted on the back of a ska. <laughs> oh yeah, I could totally see that. Oh, that's okay. awful. Who's got I know. The nobles are awful. <laughs> they are awful people, Kelsier said so, and uh, if you can't believe Kelsier and Doxon, who can you believe, really? Let's, uh, Kel- Kelsey's word I struggle with. Doxon I can trust, mm. I think. Uh, okay, who's got predictions? Who wants to go first? I'll go again. I'm leaning into my prediction that I've made before and that I talked about earlier. I think I think Ellen is actually interested in looking, and I think most of that interest is probably intellectual. I think he's he is interested in finding out how things work and possibly creating some kind of movement to change things. But I think there's a time that's going to come, maybe if if not in this book later. Where he's gonna have to be, he's gonna be told basically what's going on with Vin, and he's gonna make a, have to make a decision. And I think he's going to make the decision that he wants to keep his noble, his no, his noble way of life, even though he's got all these aspirations to change things. So, in your mind, does that mean like turning her in after he finds out what she's doing, or does that mean just not helping? Um, it could be a combination of things. Honestly, what I envision is he finding out what's going on and kind of stepping back. And because he doesn't intervene, it creates problems. Mm. I guess we will find mm. out who's next. Who, who's who got some, I got one. This is probably one of the dumbest predictions I've made, which is saying something. <laughs> Cause I've had some doozies. <laughs> oh, no. um, I <laughs> eat volcanoes. <laughs> but this is, so this is a, a, not a prediction of something that will happen, but a prediction of something that has already happened that we don't know the details about. Says mentioned that there was something in Ellen's past where you know he nearly died and like he didn't show any signs of allomancy as a result mm-hmm. of that. Yep. Right. First off, I believe that he did gain some allomantic powers and he's just been smart enough to hide them from 
everyone's view because he doesn't want to bust them out straight away. I don't know if he, he's a missing or a misborn. For the, for, the sake, for the sake of the crackpot theory, let's say he's a misborn, why not? But I think it has something to do with his father forcing him to go and bed a Scar woman. And that's actually where the st- his oh. idealism started. Something went wrong and everybody died. Because, sure. And as a result of that, he, has, he snapped and he has misborn powers. Maybe his powers coming in was what caused everyone to die. And um, the story of the banditry attack is just something that uh, they spread to cover up the fact that some serious shit went down when his father forced him to bed a scar woman. Mm, that is going a long way. Okay. Yep. Can't wait to see how I'm proven wrong. <laughs> well, I think there are parts in there that could have some merit. Like the whole He's thing is nuts, it. but maybe a bit of it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe but like... That's the- that's what I go uh, for. Like, like, I mean, my, my predictions have to be dumb, but if at least one thing in them is true, then it's not a total wash. <laughs> you think about Kelsey when he snapped, he said a lot of people died that night. When Vin, well, presumably Vin's mother tried to kill her and there was the sister that did die. What if the mother tried to kill Vin and then Vin snapped and killed her sister? So maybe... Maybe something. Yeah, could and that would explain why she was being worshipped as a god by the mother. Mm. Maybe. Okay. Was was that your prediction, or did you have something? I was thinking. I was sort of thinking along the lines of I was yeah, pretty much having thoughts along what Joe was saying about Ellen and Vin sort of coming together. I I kind of had the thought that maybe one day they would end up sleeping together. And he would then find out she's Scar and have to make a decision about what would happen. And then that would sort of show his true allegiance. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I guess that's all I've really got this week. Imagine how traumatic that reveal would be for him. If, uh, if he's still so upset about the one time that it happened and then the second time he's ever with a woman, mm. it's like, oh, by the way, oh. I'm also a scar that you might have to kill. <laughs> oh, the last time this happened, everyone well, especially died. if he really, if he really does care for her, but he's not quite at the point of abandoning his position in nobility, that could be a really big conflict for him. Like he has to walk away from one or the other, and I mean, it's it's walk away from nobility or kill the woman you love. So. Well, yeah, but the other choice is also it's 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 not just walking away from the nobility. It's the inquisitors may show up at your door now. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's scary. Very true. Okay. I like mm. uh, I, I, I like where where we're going here. Some interesting stuff. We do not have emails or anything like that this week, but there were a couple of comments on Podbean. This uh, one person, Atif, Atif, whatever, uh, commented on several of our episodes a few days ago, and I'm just going to pick out a couple of them that were interesting. Uh, one of them was, I realized that because of the breaks between episodes, it provides time for you guys to think about the chapters and come up with predictions. The first time I read the book, I finished in two days, so I didn't stop to think about what would happen. Which, that's how I usually read also, a tiff. I, I, I read so fast that I just let myself go and like get taken along for the ride and don't really stop to think about these things. So it's a very different experience as we're going through and uh, taking a lot of time to talk about individual things and make guesses. Yeah, this is a weird way to read a book. but fun for me because i could read ahead if i want i mean i'm enjoying it it's still (laughs) weird and uh one of the other comments was we were talking about chandelier insulting vin 
when she's just like, you know, like, look at you. What you need to be a nobleman is not that. He's he or he or she. If they say uh, the way that Chandelariel insults Vin totally reminded me of how to train your dragon. When Stoic says something about Hiccup and Hiccup responds with, "You just gestured to all of me," which <laughs> I was totally trying to think during the episode. While we were talking about that scene, I was like, there's something somewhere where the guy is like, you just gestured to all of me as what is wrong. And I couldn't think of it at the time. So I was so grateful when this person commented and said what it was. But that's absolutely what happens in that scene. For that matter, that's kind of what happens in the scene this time when just Shannon Lariel is always like, you suck and uh, you should really be sucking up to me more. She's just like that because she wants friends and doesn't know how to make them. Oh, that's, that's, the, that's the nicest possible take on Shan. Yeah, this I is how like everyone talked to me. True. This this must this must be how people talk to each other, right? Oh. Yeah, this is how my mother talks to me. I mean, I assume that's how I'm supposed to talk to people. <laughs> wow. Now you got me thinking of like Azula, where she's like, my mother thought that I was like a crazy sadist or whatever he's like she was right of course but it still hurt oh yeah <laughs> uh, okay this now i'm sad it, it sucks to be a skaha and also it sucks to be a noble and it just sucks all around it's the final empire is not a fun place to hang stuck. out it just sucks the final empire <laughs> yeah it's like yeah the, the, the scar are beaten noble nobles treat each other like shit lord rule is just an angsty little brat <laughs> <laughs> we actually haven't seen anything in the final empire that makes life nice <laughs> Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even for the nobles who have like tons of slave labor to work for them, it's still not a great fun place to be. Like ash is falling from the sky all the time, messing up your clothes and they have balls. They go to these parties all the time. Maybe that's fun. <laughs> I mean, that Vinda would get so exhausting though. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, when every, I mean, if everything else in, in the world sucks, maybe the balls are your only respite, but yeah, seriously. Maybe the Lord Ruler has fun when he goes every three days to hang out with the Spike Faces. And, yeah, uh, he has a Spike Face orgy. <laughs> <laughs> He's having a good time. That's the important wow. thing, right? That is not something I needed a picture. No, I, I, I was trying to skim right over that. I'm no. not going to acknowledge that it was said because I don't want to picture anything about it. So, yeah, he shows uh, him his really thick book. <laughs> <laughs> He's also, like, look, check also, out my journal. But also, uh, like a spike face orgy, someone's going to get tetanus out of that. <laughs> so, for next week, everybody, we're reading chapters 24 and 25. Read those. So, join us for that, everyone. It should be lots of fun. Music by Miracle Sound. Always got to throw that in. Acknowledge the awesomeness that is uh, the music. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bring up the brother in me. I'm searching for unity Everything is changing inside